think the main things is it is just about small habits. It isn't about sort of fundamentally going, right, you will sort of be perfect and live this kind of um, idyllic life. So welcome to the Every Mind podcast. I'm joined here with Michelle. And in this episode, I really want to kind of discuss the importance of nutrition, sleep, and hear your story as well. So if you don't mind, can you just let us know a little bit about yourself and kind of what led you to do what you do today? Okay, so my name's Michelle. I am now a health coach, which is a relatively new thing because actually my background's recruitment. I've got 23 years recruitment experience, the first eight of that with one of the very traditional large recruitment agencies where I ultimately learned my trade. I then um, basically left there, went traveling the world for seven months and I guess really sort of um, started to look about what I wanted to do next. Then I moved in-house and became an in-house recruitment manager for one of my clients and worked there for the next eight years, which I loved. And then um, over the last eight years, it seems to be an eight-year block thing, um, I have been running my own little in-house recruitment business, working with a small number of brands who just want to do recruitment really well. Um, But more recently, I had a a personal life transformation, which has then led to me becoming a health coach. Okay. Can we talk about that? What kind of led you to the personal Absolutely. Um, So it all started about five years ago. So it was three months after my wedding and um, it was a Sunday and I'd had a pain in my left shoulder all day and I just thought I had a knot in my shoulder. And then that night, again, it just didn't feel very sort of didn't feel right. That the next morning when I woke up, I thought I was having a heart attack. So I said to my husband, something's not right. I felt this serious pain in the left side and the next minute I'm passed out on the floor. What I remember is hearing my husband on the phone to 999 and they're asking him to count my breathing. So sort of, and he's since told me that he basically thought that I was dead. So he called an ambulance. The ambulance was there instantly. They're absolutely amazing. Um, I got taken to hospital. They were trying to find out what was wrong. Um, Turned out I had lots of little things wrong. So I had a chest infection. I had a bladder infection. Turned out that I've actually got a cyst on my heart, which isn't as sort of terrible as it sounds. It seems that lots of people have them. You just don't know about them. Um, So got myself better, sort of didn't really think too much more about it. But then following that, um, I just kept getting the flu all the time. So every month for about a week, I would get the flu. And because I run my own business, I could work from home. Um, So life just carried on. When I would be at work every day at three o'clock, I would be so exhausted that I would have to take myself off to the toilets, put the lid down and have a sleep because I couldn't physically carry on, even though I was sleeping really well at night. So I was getting sick. I was really tired. And then on top of that, I was also gaining weight. So I was eating relatively healthily. Um, I was doing a lot of exercise. So I was cycling London to Paris. I was doing half marathons. I was doing boot camps every week. And yet I was just putting more and more weight on. Um, It all came to a head. It was um, a Sunday morning, I think, about six o'clock in the morning. And I hear a knock on the bathroom door. And I'm a bit confused because I didn't know why I was in the bathroom. But it was my husband saying, are you okay?" And I basically got up at six in the morning to use the bathroom and had passed out on the floor. So came in sort of there I was large lump on my head. And it was like, right, it's kind of I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. So it's like, I need to do something about this. I didn't know what that meant. I was working out, well, do you speak to the doctor? Do, you, do I go and have some therapy? What is it that I need? 
Um, and I said to a friend of mine, I said, I don't suppose you know of any retreats. Completely kind of ad hoc comment. Hadn't really thought about it. And I said, um, the way I described it was I want to go somewhere where I can eat with my hands. So in my mind, that's Asia because I have a massive love for Asia. Um, but I said, I don't want somewhere to omi because I didn't want somewhere sort of, um, I guess, a bit sort of out there. Yeah. And she happened to say, oh, I went to a retreat three years ago. Look it up. So I looked this retreat up and it turned out to be the number one retreat in Thailand. Mm. Um, thought about it quite a lot as to whether I would go and then decided, right, I'm leaving my husband at home and I'm going to go to Thailand. So turned up there, wondered what I was doing, why I decided to do this. And within five minutes, absolutely knew I was in the right place. Um, I started working with a health coach there and she very, very quickly explained to me how stress impacts the body, which was a light bulb moment for why I was getting sick, tired and overweight. Mm. So I then started my journey towards sort of transforming that. Luckily now, I've not had the flu since. I uh, don't take a nap anymore at three o'clock and I've lost quite a large amount of weight, not through counting calories. And actually my exercise is very different. So it led me on a journey where I wanted to continue learning. So I started doing a health coaching course. Didn't really have any intention of becoming a health coach, but it became so powerful because this isn't about helping women like myself lose a few pounds. This is about helping people live longer. Mm. This is about helping people reduce their stress, improve their sleep, and basically improve their overall lives. And health coaches aim to stop people getting sick in the first place. Mm. Whereas doctors are wonderful, and their job is obviously to cure people once they're already sick. Yeah. Um, and here I am now with a sort of pretty much full-time health coach business. Nice. There's a lot to unpack. So I think it would be really good to kind of talk about the sort of strategies that you use to deal with that stress and how that can apply to sort of people listening. Um, but firstly, I think what's important is that moment that where you decided to go to Thailand and you said you was, I'm guessing your mind was talking you out of it. Completely. <laughs> Other people were probably talking you out of it. Yeah. Um, what do you think actually made you make that decision to go in the end? Because I'm sure a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go and do this. But then they'll slowly talk themselves out of it. Was Definitely. It and it, it took me a while. I did actually go and have some therapy. So I had six sessions of therapy. Um, now that I understand the difference between sort of therapy and coaching, which I, I didn't understand before, I kind of know why the therapy wasn't the right path mm. for me to go down because coaching very much focuses on your future and moving you forward. Um, so I spent a lot of time thinking about it, researching it. And eventually it was like, if I don't do something now, nothing is going to change. And I didn't know what was wrong. So it wasn't as if I was like, oh, I'm really stressed. I should fix that. I had no idea that I was stressed. Mm. I run a successful business that was sort of financially sort of supporting me. It was flexible hours. I've got a wonderful husband that I love. Um, so I kind of was ticking the boxes on sort of a nice life. And yet here I was really stressed without knowing it and that it was making me sick. So I think it got to, I guess I refer to it as my rock bottom, yeah. where you just go, I cannot live like this anymore. Something has to change. And for me, it needed to be something sort of where I took myself out of your everyday because in your everyday busyness of life, work, finances, friends, family, you don't ever have time to stop and reflect. 
And by taking myself away, not only from sort of my husband, but my friends, my family, my work, I was able to actually go and really find out what was wrong with me. And it was literally within three sentences of her explaining the nervous systems of the body, I was in complete tears having finally understood what was wrong. But yeah, I guess it was, I, I was in a fortunate position that I could take the two weeks off work to go and do that. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did. I think it's so common as well. Like even even yesterday, um, I found myself like really burnt out. Just I, I don't know. I just I get in this habit of just work, 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 work. Especially if we've got a lot of projects on. And then I went to see Anne. She's a holistic therapist, the lady who you know has helped me massively over the last seven years. And literally after that session, everything became a lot lighter. And mm. I was like, why am I worried about this? I just need to spend a couple of hours doing what I want to do. Yeah. And then straight away, you just feel dramatically better. But I think the problem that I was facing is I didn't have the awareness at that time to realise that I was struggling with stress and, yeah. and pressures, etc. Absolutely. Um, so kind of moving it forward a little bit, what's the kind of biggest thing that's helped you in terms of dealing with that stress from sort of a health perspective? Um, without a doubt, I'm going to call it breathing. Okay. Um, because often when I call it meditation, yeah, yeah, yeah. people tend to switch off. And I must admit, when I wanted to go to a retreat and I said, I don't want somewhere on me, yeah. I kind of didn't want to meditate. And now it's become the most powerful tool. Um, I think people definitely underestimate it. It is just breathing when it comes down to it. And the one thing that I explain to people is that you can live for months without food and weeks without water, but only minutes without breathing. Mm-hmm. And yet, as adults, we don't do it properly. And it's one of the fundamental ways to reduce stress um, by the way that it basically changes the chemical sort of um, makeup of your body. Mm. So um, I learned how to meditate. Uh, It's one thing that I get all of my clients doing and it is a practice. So it doesn't work naturally for people straight away. Different people like different types of meditation. Some people like the really simple breathe in for three, hold for four, out for five. Other people like crystal singing bowls or they like the visualization. Um, More recently, I've started doing a lot of breath work. There's a guy, um, his name's Richie Bostock. His name's the breath guy. And um, he does more sort of, um, I guess, advanced breath work. It really helps you unblock any sort of emotional blockages sort of from your past or from your present. Um, So... I just find that absolutely life-changing. And I know that my clients that do it have all said, out of everything that I do with them, it is one of the biggest things that makes a difference to the point now that they will do it every morning just to set themselves up for the day. I think that's key because, again, there's such an association with meditation. Yeah. You know, my dad used to meditate. Did he? um, Yeah. And I remember we went camping and he tried to get me and my brother to meditate. And it was like... (laughs) explaining it to I think I was 12 at the time and he just said you've got to clear your mind and a 12 year old cannot clear his mind so I think meditation for him was taught as you have to listen to this kind of music you have to sit down for half an hour yeah whereas when I started to do it you start to learn it's purely just being able to you know focus on the breathing yeah different breathing techniques so if I was sort of stressed at work is there sort of a quick little exercise that I can do to to kind of help Yep, just basically slow your breathing down. So you can breathe by numbers, so the three, four, five, or you can advance that and you can kind of go eight, four, eight. So in for eight, hold for four, out for eight. So um, at work, I would 
you can do it at your desk, to be honest, mm. or take yourself off to the loo or do it at the water machine. You don't have to be sat down. You can be stood up. And we often do it before you go into a difficult meeting. You might go, whew, and without even realizing. Or um, I sort of say to people about why they like smoking. And I kind of say, when you smoke, you take a deep breath in and a deep mm. breath out. Maybe it's not the cigarettes. Maybe it's actually the breath work that mm. you're doing through smoking. So I think at work, the main thing is actually just putting the phone down, grounding yourself and just giving yourself, even if it's just a minute, it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be as little as a minute to just reset yourself. It's like your phone when you've got too many apps open and your phone just crashes. That's what happens to our brains. Mm -hmm. So meditation is basically like a reset for your brain. Um, One of my clients, the first time he ever did his meditation, he did it in McDonald's in Romford. It was a strange, strange choice. <laughs> strange place. But he said that when he did it, he felt like the lights were brighter. Yeah. So you I can. I suppose if you can do it in there, you can do it in anywhere. You can do it anywhere. Another guy, he struggles with trains. He's very tall, so he finds trains uncomfortable. And now every morning on the train, he puts a meditation music on and he just kind of zones out. Mm. And now he enjoys looking forward to the train journey. Nice. Um, I did it recently. I was flying back. I went back to the retreat in Thailand to actually work there. And on the way back, the turbulence was really bad for about four hours. And I meditated the whole time. And it was just, I almost wasn't sure if I was awake or asleep, but I know that that turbulence did not bother me a bit. Mm. So it's really powerful. It's almost, it's, it, you know, I find it powerful as well. And then I find it sometimes it's too simple to explain to yeah. some people the power of it, if that yeah. makes sense. People have got to find it for themselves, um, which is why I think going along to a meditation class or a breathwork class or actually if you look at yoga yoga is just moving Mm. meditation because it's about the inhale and the exhale Um, so sometimes I think having a group environment where people can try it Mm. and then find what they like so that sort of some people really like the Wim Hof method which is very active and Wim Hof is renowned for extreme sort of sporting achievements. He's the cold water guy, is he like jumping in nice yeah, water? Yeah, exactly. He went up Everest in a pair of shorts. Yeah. The guy's amazing. Um, but by people almost sort of being put into a situation at their work where they're um, sort of meditating with other people, then they can have their moment. And as soon as you have it yourself, then you will carry on doing it. Yeah, and I think as well, sort of knowing a couple of people that you've done work with has also have also spoken about the work you've done around sleep. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you said about your story is that you were sleeping a lot, but you was always sort of tired. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit and how sort of sleep impacts how we feel at work as well? Yeah, absolutely. Sleep is key. Stress and sleep are the two things that people should look at before they worry about food or exercise or anything else. Because if you are tired, you will not eat properly because you're going to be craving those sugary foods and you're also going to be less likely to exercise. So when it comes to sleep, it is the body's life support system. Ultimately, Mother Nature should have made it extinct because when you're asleep, you are not protecting your young, hunting for food or reproducing. So it goes against everything that Mother Nature does for us. Um, And yet, sort of, we spend a third of our life doing it. It's absolutely kind of one of the key things for most chronic diseases um so actually alzheimer's kicks in um 30 years before you get a single symptom and lack of sleep is a significant sort of cause of alzheimer's 
So people really have to take it very seriously that you've got to get at least seven hours. The preference is eight, and um, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, will not make a decision unless he's had eight hours sleep. People are now really realizing how important it is, um, not only for your physical well-being, because when you are asleep, your body repairs itself from the day, but for your mental well-being. We all know what it's like when you've had a, a late night or you've had to get up early for, to go on holiday or something, and you just feel terrible. Yeah. Or parents with young children, sort of, it's obviously very difficult for them because they're just trying to grab sleep where yeah. they can. Um, but sleep is so key to all of our well-being, and it's something that people should make a priority. And if people are saying, I haven't got time, that's often saying it's not a priority. Yeah. And if you start to look at how much time you maybe spend on your phone in an evening, then maybe you could get to bed 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. So it's about working backwards and going, okay, if I have to be up at seven in the morning and I need eight hours sleep, I need to be asleep by 11. So maybe I should get in bed at half 10. Mm. Having that nighttime sort of routine, it's your sleep hygiene so that everything is in place for you to have the best night's sleep you can. With that nighttime routine as well, is there anything else that you kind of recommend? I, I remember, I, um, I think I read somewhere that when, when you've got kids, you put them to bed by giving them a bath, putting them in pajamas, you know, making them comfortable, reading them a story, slowly getting them to bed. Yep. And then when you're an adult, you literally <laughs> just drop your clothes, you jump in bed, and yep. then that's your nighttime routine. Yeah. So completely. do you do, or do you recommend anything before bed that can maybe help? Basically, exactly what you do with your children. Yeah, yeah, um, and that is it. It's sort of if you've had um, a heavy meal or a spicy meal or you've had a lot of caffeine or a lot of alcohol or you've done a really high intensity gym workout before bed, it's going to impact your sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's about giving yourself the best chance, having a dark room, having the temperature low enough because your body temperature needs to drop for you to get into the deep sleep. You can use some um, sort of lavender. Lavender is a very good sort of um, essential oil for calming and helping sleep. You can use sleep meditation because that brings you into your deep sleep. So there are lots of different things. One of the big things is also getting off the phones because the way that our body clock works is it works with the sun. Mm -hmm. So if you go camping, you normally fall asleep probably about 10 o'clock and you normally wake up probably about seven because your body is reacting to sunlight. Whereas by us putting the phones in front of our faces or having bright lights on at home, we're confusing our sleep hormones. So melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, is ready to do its job, but then we confuse it and we put a bright light in our face and it says, oh, maybe it's not time for sleep. Mm -hmm. So the phones are quite a key thing. You can use kind of the, the um, blue light blockers and there are ways around it. Personally, I think sort of, why don't you read a book? Why don't you have a little cuddle with your partner? Mm. Why don't you sort of get yourself in the right mindset for a good night's sleep? Because yeah. um, also it's not just the amount of sleep, it's the quality of sleep. Because some people might have eight hours, and as I was, and wake up still exhausted. So I was going to ask you, so do you think that was why you still felt exhausted because you were getting the hours in, but you wasn't having the quality of sleep? Completely. So the things that affect your quality of sleep are stress, um, alcohol, caffeine, and a snoring partner. Mm -hmm. So... Um... Oh, sorry for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're never going to have a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, she can blame it all yeah. on you, not the kids. Um, but it is. So you go, but I'm getting eight hours every night. 
But if you look at it, your body isn't going into the rest and repair where it regenerates itself. So it's really important to not only get the amount of sleep, but to also get the quality of sleep. Yeah, I think with sleep as well, you know, especially if you run your own business or you work in quite a high pressured environment. I don't know, I just feel like sleep over the last however many years has almost become cool to not have as much sleep. Absolutely. To almost brag, I had five hours last night because I was up at five working yeah. on this project and Completely. it almost becomes like a cool thing to now start saying. Yeah, people say, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's like, yeah. sadly, that might come a You're bit sooner earlier, than yeah. you would hope if that is the case. Yeah. And I think I do a lot of work with um, people in the recruitment industry because of my background in recruitment. I understand the lives they lead. Um, and particularly business owners who have got a lot on their plate and sort of get home, you try and do family time, spend some time with the kids before they go to bed, and then you've still got work to do. But um, actually, um, if you sort of, a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, Ariana Huffington, mm. one of the things that she does is she has a real key turning the laptop off so that you go, my work day is done. Because nowadays, our work day is never done. Yeah. There is always more. And there has to become a point when you say enough, because if you have a good night's sleep, you will be better at your job the next day. So actually, staying up later to get more work done is a bit of a sort of... Um, not what you need for the next day to yeah. then have a productive day. One of the questions I've got is um, with your clients and with you as well, I think there's so much now that we could and should be doing. Yeah. And I've found myself in the past personally that when I'm not doing it, you almost beat yourself up. You yeah. know, I know that I should not be looking at my phone before bed, but I'm looking at my phone and now you start beating yourself up. Yeah. So do you still have do you still have times where you might not have enough sleep or you might not oh, eat the right? Always. Always, last night. So um, I went to bed a bit later. I'd been out with some uh, friends of mine from school, um, which is lovely. And um, I got home a bit later and then I wanted to talk to my husband because he's got some really exciting stuff happening at work. So we wanted to have a catch up. But then I knew I wanted to get up this morning and go to yoga. So I had done the maths and I knew that I wasn't going to get enough sleep. My question at that point was, well, maybe I shouldn't go to yoga, but I know that it makes me feel better. So mm. actually getting up is worth it. So there are always times when sort of as a health coach, it doesn't mean we're perfect because I don't actually think that firstly perfect exists. And if it does, I think that'd be really boring for my clients. Yeah. I think that you've got to be real. I think the fact that I've had sort of my life transformation and now I live by building in these habits it's about sort of consistency, not perfection. Mm. So it's the kind of 80-20 rule. So I eat a certain way 80% of the time. I exercise in the way that suits my body 80% of the time. People say to me sort of, do you still drink? It's like, of course I have a glass of wine. What I'm not doing is having a bottle of wine every yeah. night. Because if you're doing that, then maybe look at why you're doing it. So, and my thing is my phone. Out of everything that I'm changing, that's the one thing I still really struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, and it is work in progress. And I think that honesty is so key because, again, people might look at other people doing this and say, oh, my life's not at that level, so I'm not doing it right. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know that you should have that balance. Absolutely. Life is about balance. We've got to enjoy our lives. Um, yes, we've got to look after our health and well-being. But you have got to enjoy it at the end of the day. So you do have to get that balance. And it's ultimately about having joy in your life and whatever brings you joy. Mm. And you don't want to end up stressing yourself more by trying to be perfect. Because the whole point is reduce stress, not increase yeah, yeah. it. 
And also with the workplace. So obviously you've done a lot of work in the workplace. You've got experience in that. What do you think the biggest challenge is for companies when it comes to sort of dealing with mental health of their employees? I think the first thing is actually companies accepting that their employees do have mental health. Mm. So I think the biggest challenge is that acceptance that how your employee is feeling, even if that is nothing to do with work that is sort of causing them the issues, it impacts their work. And um, people say to me, well, is it the responsibility of a company to look after their employees' mental health? And you say, well, it depends how you look at it. If as a business you actually only really care about making money, having your staff having good mental health is going to make you more money. If you care about winning awards for best companies to work, then having incentives to help your staff with their mental health is going to help you with awards. And if you actually care about your staff, then it sort of benefits that. So... Mm. Um, I think the first thing is actually getting companies to realise that it is an issue and the pressures on people these days are increasing because it is now a 24-7 workday. There is never an off time. Mm. When I first started in recruitment, I might leave the office at half seven every night, but that was it because yeah. I didn't have a smartphone. It was I was done for the night, whereas now people never get to stop. So I think businesses need to take responsibility for the fact that... Um, how they do work their staff will impact their mental health and the more support they give them, the better a member of staff they're going to be. Yeah. And with that, then being a better member of staff, so if you're working with individual clients, what kind of results do you see? Is it sort of productivity? and Absolutely. Energy levels, productivity, more alertness, uh, ability to make decisions better, um, clarity of thought. And then there's the fact that it reduces churn because if you've got happy, healthy members of your team, they're not going to feel the need to leave and go somewhere else. Mm. So um, I think a lot of that is the fact that you've got to look at the fact that if someone is healthier and happier, it is going to benefit you as a business and it is worth investing the time and the money in it. It doesn't even have to be a lot of money. There are so many different incentives, whether that's lunch and learn presentations or once a week yoga or meditation or the WeWork buildings are very, very good for running lunchtime sessions mm. to um, help people. So I think if businesses um, actually look at it, look at the budgets that they've got, work out where they want to invest, you can get quite significant changes through not having to spend a large amount of budget. Yeah. But I think the difference that I've seen um, with my clients it sort of is phenomenal. There's one guy that I work with and the energy now from him is just sort of off the scale. Um, And he's done a lot of work with it. So he's been working with his diet. He's been working with his exercise. He meditates. He's been... One of the things I talk to people about is the people you spend your time with and toxic Mm. people and how you deal with toxic people. Um, So it's about building small habits across all areas of your life. And they only have to be little habits. Like putting a glass of water next to your bed before you go to sleep and drinking it when you wake up in the morning. Mm. It's easy. So it's like, how do you actually just... Consistency. Yeah, yeah, it is about that and building the habit and it takes time to build a habit. And sometimes you need someone to be accountable to, whether that is a friend or a colleague or a health coach, someone that's just going to keep you on check to make sure that you're doing the things you want to. And I think that plays nicely into the whole corporate, you know, business space as well. As like you said, the first thing they need to realise that there is an issue. Yeah. And then secondly, it's a massive challenge to, to sort of change it, but yeah. just starting small, introducing small incentives or, you know, a different approach on how they're dealing with their employees can hopefully naturally with time start to 
improve as well. So it's, it's very similar to, I guess, you improving yourself. Absolutely. Glass of water by the side of your bed. Same with the company, if they can do a little bit. Yep. And it's the ripple effect. So if as a business leader or anyone within the business, you start to implement positive habits in your own life, other people will be curious. They'll notice the difference. They'll notice the energy levels. Then they'll start to, oh, what are you doing differently? Oh, I see that you're eating fruit instead of a donut. Or sort of, oh, you didn't sort of get involved in that box set because you wanted to go to bed at a certain time. So it's the whole ripple effect that mm. starts to then spread out. So it only actually needs to start with a small number of people within the business who say, I want to be different. I want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I want to feel empowered. And therefore, by them doing it, it will spread out from there. So, yeah, yeah it's massively important, but also so powerful for businesses in sort of what is difficult times to actually um, have a chance to succeed. Mm. And as well, I think you've obviously mentioned and touched on the importance of nutrition for you and for everyone else. And personally, I know if I'm eating terrible, I feel terrible. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of studies into sort of gut health and how that affects sort of mental health. Absolutely. So what can you kind of recommend for people that maybe wants to improve their their nutrition a little bit as well. Absolutely, it's completely key because basically everything that you put into your body becomes part of your body. So it becomes part of your cells. And exactly as you're saying, gut health and the link with mental health, um, the fact that 70% um, of your immune system lives in your gut and your gut and your brain are constantly talking to each other. So if your gut is unhappy, your body's gonna be unhappy. Um, when it comes to food, the simple thing I say is just eat real food single ingredient food. So a banana does not need to have a health label on it. So if food tells you it's healthy, probably don't eat it. An avocado doesn't need a nutrition label on it because we know that mother nature gave us something that we're meant to eat. And actually, if you start to look at the shapes of food, when we were little, we'd be told kind of eat carrots, they're sort of they're good for your eyesight. If you look at the inside of a carrot, it looks like your eyes. Mm. So it's kind of, they're trying to make it really simple yeah. for us. We just like, overcomplicate it. Yeah, we completely yeah. overcomplicate it. Walnuts are good for your brain. What does a walnut look like? Mm. Your brain. Um, so just simplify it. Stay away from the packaged foods as much as possible. Stay away from the ref uh, refined sugars. Um, go back to sort of basically as your grandparents used to eat before we all became so busy that we just rely on ready meals. Mm. And again, that's not to say you should never have a pizza. Of course I eat pizza. But sort of the thing I say is like cakes are for birthdays, not for breakfast. Mm. But suddenly we just are kind of grabbing and going quick foods. So it's about really thinking about what you're eating, making sure it, eat the rainbow because the different color foods have got different nutrients in it, which feed your body. Mm. And if you are going to be sort of eating animal products, then again, pick the high quality animal products because the cheap quality ones are sort of sadly full of hormones and antibiotics. And by you ingesting that, everything the animal's getting is coming into you. So we have to look at what's been going on over the last 50 years as our diets have changed and new diseases are starting to be created or are much more prevalent. And you have to look at it to do with the fact of the link to diet. 100%. I think just kind of moving towards the end, um, a little bit of supporting other people as well. I know we kind of touched on it before before we hit record. Yeah. Um, from your experience, have you got any way of you giving some advice to maybe someone wanting to support someone else, whether that's at work? It's the question that I always get asked the most. 
yeah. you know, not how do I look after myself? How do I support this coworker or this family member? Absolutely. Um, so kind of we spoke a lot about looking after yourself, but you know, what advice would you give for, for sort of helping other people as yeah. well? And I saw the other day on your LinkedIn that you um, sort of travel the country and go and basically spend time with people who are sort of struggling yeah, yeah. with mental health, which I thought was amazing. And everyone was commenting on your post saying, let's put a team together, yeah. let's all go and do this. Um, so my husband won't mind me saying this, my husband struggles with mental health. So I've got very sort of firsthand experience of what it's like um, it's certainly been a learning curve for me and I must admit I was very naive to sort of how he was feeling but I've done a lot of research, read a lot of books and now understand a lot more what he feels on a daily basis. I think personally the biggest thing you can do is listen. Mm. Um, so often people are too busy to listen to other people or to check in and say are you okay and actually just knowing that there's somebody who can listen or can give you a hug um, or if you need to kind of have a cry is there as a bit of a shoulder to cry on, I think is absolutely sort of critical. And um, they're linking now a lot of depression comes down to loneliness and lack of community. Because back in the day of the caveman, if you weren't part of a tribe, then you weren't hunting in a, ga a group, you weren't sort of um, protecting each other. And now we live these very insular lives where we think that WhatsApp and Facebook is a connection with someone and it's not. So a lot of it is about actually just communicating with people and talking to them and really feeling like you're being listened to. So my advice for anyone, if you know someone that is struggling, just be that ear for them, be there for them so that when they are having a difficult day, they know they've got someone to come and talk to. Yeah, and I was, I was listening to something on the way up here as well about how we're all programmed a certain way. And I think we all touched on it beforehand where our education and understanding around mental illness was a certain way. Yeah. And so many people stay in that sort of programming and don't change their opinions of it. But as you've kind of said, you had to pick up books and understand it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So then you could help your husband a little bit more because your first initial reaction to it is, you know, different because of how you've been conditioned around it. Oh, completely. So it's always kind of upgrading and learning and you know, yeah. changing your conditioner. Definitely. A friend of mine from um, primary school um, it's about probably 15 years ago now, committed suicide. And um, I had no idea sort of what that really meant or what she'd been going through. Um, and to the outside world, she lived in Australia. She was sort of um, successful, had this wonderful life. But whatever was going on with her made her choose that decision. Um, and I wish that I knew back then what I know now. Um, Maybe I couldn't have done anything, but maybe I could have. But it is that it's about keeping learning because the more you learn, the more you can help other people around you who sort of are going to need that help because yeah. doing it on your own, um, if you are struggling, is a very uphill battle. Whereas doing it as part of a, a community, um, it's why sort of people go to CrossFit because they become part of a community or it's, it's why people go and join netball clubs or football clubs or whatever. It's people want to be part of something. So yeah, be there for someone. Amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anything that you're up to at the moment that you'd like to share? Oh, so many things. I could keep talking for hours. Um, no, I think we've, we've covered most of it. I think the main things is it is just about small habits. It isn't about sort of fundamentally going, right, you will sort of be perfect and live this kind of um, idyllic life because we've all got responsibilities, we've all got finances, we don't live on a desert island with no internet. So it's about don't put the pressure on yourself, 
but realize that the only person who can really make the change is you. Mm. Um, so decide what changes you want to make. And when it really comes down to it, if you don't know what to do, um, my coach told me this question because as a coach, I still have a coach because that's really important. As you said, mm. you sort of still go to therapy, even though sort of the time has passed. Um, she says, when you don't know what to do, the question to ask yourself is, what would I do if I loved myself? And I think that's wow. really powerful because when you sort of, should I stay in this job or not? Should I stay in this relationship or not? Should I make this food choice or not? It's like, if I love myself, what would I do? Mm. And often you quite find that the answer comes. So yeah, ask yourself that question. That's great. And then where can people find you? Your LinkedIn, you're starting to do some video content. Yep, I do video content on LinkedIn. I um, generally post it first thing in the morning, so there's no filter. It's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook, sort of all the standard channels. If you look up Michelle Flynn Coaching, I've also got a website, michelleflynncoaching.com. Um, it talks about my one-to-one -one coaching. It talks about the corporate wellness, corporate wellness presentations that I do. Um, but actually, if someone just wants to have a chat, then get in touch and let's have a chat. Mm. And maybe I can just give you a bit of advice that might help you take yourself down the right path. And we're going to have some amazing content of you with inside the EveryMind app as well. So yes, I'm very excited about that. Exciting. But no, thank you so much for coming and um, thank you for listening or watching the podcast. Please let us know what you think in the comments below. And thank you to you for coming again, Michelle. Thank you very much. And thank you for all your support you're doing for everyone in mental health. I think it's amazing to have someone actually sort of talking publicly about your story and what you've been through. And hopefully that's going to help lots of other people. Thank you. So thank you.